Joseph Steinberg, Ph.D., stood at the two-story entrance, facing the afternoon sun. In front of him, the hill on which the first part of the monastery had been built, in the tenth century, dropped precipitously into the rushing gray waters of the Danube. Behind him was the library. Fifty-foot-high book-lined walls ran the three-hundred-foot length of the huge room. From the chapel below came the vesper chants of the thirty or so monks who still occupied that part of the Baroque abbey not presently used as a parochial school. He paid no attention, if, in fact, he even heard. Were it not for the boat pushing barges upstream and the cars humming along the highway across the river, Steinberg could have been anywhere in time within the last millennium. He wasn't thinking about that, either. He could only ponder the strange discovery that had occupied him for the last two days. A year ago, the Abbey had begun the awesome task of creating a computer index of the library, including the 2,000-plus volumes that dated back to the 9th through 15th centuries. Last week, one of the graduate students had discovered a number of bound parchments in ancient Hebrew perhaps misplaced in the panic to hide all things of value that ensued when, in 1683, Kara Mustafa and his 200,000 Turks laid siege to Vienna, just 50 miles to the east. Although the Turks were forced to withdraw only three months later, these documents had, most likely, not been returned to their proper place, remaining with what were at the time current religious writings. The church had asked Steinberg, part-time archaeologist and full-time professor of ancient Hebrew history, to translate and date the documents. From the heavy parchment and ink, Steinberg guessed the physical pages themselves could be as old as milk. But the events they described were older, much older. The unusual syntax, phrases borrowed from Pharaonic Egyptian, indicated that someone had painstakingly translated a chronicle from, say, 1500 to 1200 B.C., or, to be politically correct, B.C.E., before the Common Era. In any event, before Hebrew itself was recognizable as a written language. A cautious man, Steinberg turned around and walked back inside to one of the rolling ladders on rails, climbed to the top tier, and examined the exact area where the material had been found. Sure enough, the neighboring volumes all dated from the mid to late 17th century. Once back on the parquet floor, he returned to the table where the parchments were unrolled. He pulled on the surgical gloves that protected the documents from any acid that might be contained in the moisture of his skin, then turned to the laptop on which he was composing a draft of his translation. He was aware of the irony of the anachronism, using electronic transcription in a place where manuscripts had been hand-copied for centuries. But how did these documents come to be here, in Austria, in the first place? If Steinberg had to guess, a pursuit he loathed as a professor, but had to embrace as an archaeologist, he would say the ancient parchment had found its way to Europe as a trophy of the Crusades, most likely the third, when Duke Leopold V had held the English king, Richard the Lionheart, for ransom at his castle at Dernstein, just a few kilometers down the Danube, where ruins of its towers could still be seen. Possibly, these pages had been brought to milk from the centuries-old castle of some former crusader for safekeeping before the Turks breached the castle walls. A number of families in this area dated their ancestry back that far. Steinberg sighed his relief at having at least theoretically solved the mystery of the paper's origin. How the church, or for that matter, the world, was going to solve the consequences of his discovery 
was another issue. Two hours later, he stood and glanced around the room. Ancient or not, the facts narrated in the documents could have very contemporary implications. Serious implications. Implications far beyond the halls of abstract academia or the dusty pages of history. He could simply return the documents to oblivion in their place among the top row of books and leave Melk, hoping his translation of both Hebrew and Old German would likewise be lost in obscurity. But somehow that didn't seem a satisfactory option. Part of his compensation for his work was right to publish his findings in his choice of scholarly journals. The information had value to some people if published, perhaps even more if not. At any rate, he had no intent of shunning the acclaim his work would earn. The purpose of academia was to disseminate knowledge, like a breeze laden with the parachutes of dandelion seeds. How it was used was not his to question.